Hello and welcome to this special episode of Southeast Asian Dispatches, brought to you by New Narrative. I'm your host, PJ Thum. Southeast Asian Dispatches is a fortnightly podcast series bringing you news, interviews, and commentary from around Southeast Asia. But this week, we're going to focus on one topic, women in journalism. Despite the large number of women going to journalism school every year, studies have shown that men continue to dominate the media industry. This means that on a daily basis, we're reading and consuming information about the world that has been largely curated by men and presented from a mainly male perspective. News Mavens, launched in 2017 as an experiment for women to curate and compile important news from Europe, and after a year, they found a stark difference between the stories favoured by the male-dominated mainstream media and the ones that women have curated. They found that women were more interested in stories about marginalised groups and the impact of policies on people. We were really interested to read about this because in New Narrative's first year of operations, our editorial team was almost entirely made up of women. The new narrative for Southeast Asia that we've presented on our site so far is one that is, for once, led by women. During our open meetings, we've always had a lot of interest in how we pick our stories and how our editorial team works. Our editor-in-chief, Kirsten Han, sat down with our deputy editor for Bahasa Indonesia, Aisha Llewellyn, and our deputy editor for Bahasa Malaysia, Pauline Wong, to talk about what they're looking for when they commission stories for new narrative why they believe it's important to push back against a media culture and a diet of breaking news and fast rights, and their own experiences of being women in journalism. So across the world, a lot of mainstream media outlets are dominated by men. And so News Mavens was interested in finding out what happens when women are in charge. So what sort of stories do women pick? And they found that women pay attention to women and other marginalized groups and they care about the impact of big politics and big business on the lives of regular people. And you can see this on their website at newsmavens.com. So what we were interested in is to talk a bit about how this plays out in new narrative as well, where actually the majority of our editors are women. So pretty much for the first year, the news at new narrative was picked by women and the stories we commissioned and the way we edited and all that was run by women. So I think it would be good really to just talk a little bit about how that affects the way we run and how that affects the stories we choose. So perhaps, Aisha, you want to start first. You know, what are the stories that you're interested in when you he- get pitches from people? One problem that I have um, being an editor for Indonesia is that there are always main topics that me- uh, mainstream media will go for. And in Indonesia, it's always the same. So LGBT, terrorism, and the war on drugs. If you pitch those to something... To, well, to a mainstream uh, media outlet, you've got a good chance or a higher chance. But if you pitch something else, it's unlikely that they're going to take it about Indonesia. Um, so I really like to move away from those topics. Or if we're going to have those topics, um, do something very different uh, about them. So we had, for example, um, LGBT, but we had an article that was about exorcisms, so religious exorcisms for people in the LGBT community. Um, but I, even more than that, anything that's really, really niche that we haven't thought about before. So we ran a piece that I really liked, which was about halal plastic, which I think you said, Kirsten, you'd never heard of before. I hadn't heard of halal plastic before either. 
And it's not the sort of piece you see every day. I would really like to see Malaysian media coverage shift away from uh, short, snappy, quick stories which flash by and give you a sense of what's happening. Perhaps it's elections, perhaps it's politics, or something that's hot at the moment, like some minister said something dumb and everybody just kind of jumps onto that. Um, I would like to see more stories um, that tell um, about people. I want to see more narrative stories. I would like to see more colour in stories. I think there's not enough colour in there. There is a lot, as as you say, in the media where it's like, this event happened. But why did this event happen? Why did it happen yeah. this way? And who's going to have to live with the consequences of you know this policy or this event? And that's always what I'm most interested in. I mean, after having been in journalism for eight, ten years now, um, I've only ever worked for mostly male editors. But I did, for a very short period of time, perhaps about six months, work for a female editor in the same news organisation. And I found that she liked stories which focus on the little people. So my male editor would ask me to, for example, I was covering the healthcare beat, so my male editor would usually ask me to chase the minister down and get his quotes on something, a new policy, right? So it's more for headlines. So he would ask me, okay, get him to say this about this particular topic in healthcare. This policy is happening, get him to say something about it. Whereas my female editor, right, would ask me to go and find a story about someone whose life will be affected by this policy. And so that would be the angle she would ask me to go. She would ask me to go to uh, on the ground and talk to the people. And she wanted a story rather than an article. You know, previously I'd seen things that say that there are all these stereotypes that like, oh, if you're a woman, you can only do soft news, you can't do hard yeah. news, you cover travel, you cover food, you cover lifestyle and fashion. But it's interesting you say that, Kirsten, because if you remember way back when I first started contributing to New Narrative, so before I became an editor, when I was writing for New Narrative, I think one of the second or third pieces I pitched you was the mm -hmm. piece about Oriflame, yeah. which was about multi-level marketing companies in Indonesia who were selling makeup products to women and were basically in, in many ways you know, misrepresenting that how they were going to make lots of money back and how difficult it was. And I remember with that piece when I pitched it thinking, this is going to be a hard sell to get anyone who's going to you know, publish a piece about makeup which I guess in some way you would look at it as a women's story, right? Mm. But actually when we did it, I think you said to me afterwards, it was the longest and the most investigative piece that we'd done up until that point. Yeah. And we pu we pulled out so many things about it, you know, about the, as you talked about, power imbalances and how the, the you know, poverty in Indonesia and job opportunities, employment rates, all of these very serious topics came out of a story which was essentially about selling lipstick. Um, and I remember thinking that that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to work for New Narrative in the future, because we would take that kind of story and wouldn't write it off as this is a, yeah, a silly kind of fluffy story. Do you think um, the, the, the difference, I think the primary difference between um, women choosing news stories and men is that we are more willing to listen to people, we're more willing to listen and see a story from different perspectives and see it through rather than, okay, is this going to be a headline? Is it going to be, you know, yes. is it going to get mm -hmm. reaction? Are we, do you think that 
might yeah, be in. Definitely. I mean, I've had many pitches turned down and it's just been like, well, you know, but editors don't say it in these words exactly, but it's kind of like, yeah, but so what? You know, yeah, so yeah. you're pitching a yes, story. I mean, I, I had a, lot. a piece that I pitched for a long time, which didn't actually pitch it to new narrative, but it was a piece about um, traffic wardens. So freelance traffic wardens uh, in Medan. Um, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't tied to the news cycle. It wasn't a very controversial topic. It was just talking about, again, it was lack of employment opportunities and people who have to go and stand in traffic all day, um, you know, and make very, very small amounts of money. But I pitched that for a long time and it was just, uh, yeah, so what? Why, why should we be interested in this? Yeah. And I think it is so much, unless it's like there's a boat sinking or a plane crash or some kind of horrible event, <laughs> Mm. It, especially for someone like Indonesia and especially North Sumatra, it's very, very difficult to drum up the interest. Yeah. So how does that affect audiences? So, you know, how does it affect readers when they see the news and, you know, it might be very event oriented? Like that's part of the problem of this 24 hour news cycle that we get a series of events, but we very rarely get any context or explanation of how yeah. these events matter and how it links so it's just like oh my god a plane crash oh my god there's some sort of violent conflict and oh there's elections there and there's this and we we are bombarded basically by a lot of headlines a lot of small event coverage but we don't necessarily see these human interest stories that mm. women have been like you know they've observed that women editors are better at picking out so what does this do to readers and the audiences you think? I think it's, it's somewhere like Indonesia, like you said, if it's a plane crash or a terrorist incident or, um, you know, a boat sinking, it paints a very, very negative picture of the country for a start, which is incredibly unfair because it's much more likely that somewhere like Indonesia, and especially I I'm, I'm, I'm keep harping on about North Sumatra, but obviously that's where I'm based. In North Sumatra, it's not going to make headlines unless it's something very very newsworthy and a positive news story is probably not going to make international headlines so what you're bombarded with is well indonesia is such a mess they're constantly having earthquakes there's constantly volcanoes erupting you know there's terrorist attacks in jakarta and and it's just and it's that constant drumbeat of of bad news so news that you get today um the reactionary ones it's like fast food it'll fill you up but it has zero nutritional value okay not to knock fast food but it just it just fills your stomach up. But is it doing anything for you? Probably not. I mean, mm-hmm. adding pounds maybe. Yeah. But it's like it's when it's whether or not these stories will leave you when after you've read it, it will leave you with a better idea of what the world is like, or educate you in some way, or give you information you previously did not know about. Right? There is nothing new to learn from the fact that the plane has crashed. It's mm-hmm. the same as every other plane crash. But if you talk about a story taking from the plane crash, you expand it into something about the aviation industry, for example, or about plane safety or about, um, I don't know, lax regulations in the aviation industry, something bigger than that, then people will read it and then they will go away um, having learned something new. And Mm. I think that is the whole problem and that is the biggest effect it will have if news focus on short pieces of events rather than holistic view of the world. Yeah, I also worry sometimes that like these the bombardment of events um, really hampers the sort of empathy we feel for each other. So yeah. like if you yes. so like we ran that story about the small time drug dealers in their communities, yeah. 
and you know as a Singaporean when we hear about drugs and how harmful they are if I didn't read that sort of story and I thought about drug dealing in Indonesia I'd be like oh my god Indonesia is awash with drugs but yeah. then you read a story about a struggling father and he's selling chickens and dealing drugs on the side because selling chickens doesn't make enough money you it doesn't mean you're like oh now I think drugs are great but you, you're like <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand why a father would be pushed to do it. Like, you know, he says himself that it's not fantastic, but he really needs to pay pay for his children, pay for his family. And you can kind of see then that this dynamic is not whether it's good or bad and evil people or good people, but it's like a whole bunch of people struggling to survive and trying to do the best that they can for your family. And even though in Singapore it's a very different context, you can kind of understand that because Singapore is also full of fathers and mothers trying to find different ways to make ends meet. It really, I feel, helps me when I read these stories relate more to people in a different context, in a different world. Because I recognize, I might not recognize the situation, but I recognize the motivations behind it. Yeah, and then it becomes a bigger conversation. With stories like that, it becomes a bigger conversation about... Um, cost of living, about mm. wages, about being paid a fair wage, minimum wage, you see. Yeah. So I think if we don't have these kind of stories, nuance is lost and everything is black and white and there's no grey in between. And we all know the world doesn't work like that, right? Mm. Nuance is lost in the process of just getting 400 words out rather than taking time to chew and to process a topic. Yeah. I think one thing I like best about new narrative stories and picking up from the child marriage stories that we did is that I think in a way I like to believe that new narrative is challenging people's bubbles, right? I mean, we've all heard about that bubble in which most of us live because on our Facebook feeds, on our social media, the news we read is being fed to us based on our perceptions. So it's just perpetuating beliefs that you already hold. So if you are left-wing, if you are pro-something, you will only see left-wing pro-something content on your feed and in your news feeds, in your social media feeds. So, and with the child marriage issue, I think... um, almost 100% you will get a split right down the middle, right? You will get um, the conservative side who said, you know, with the consent of parents, you know, religion allows for it, it's fine. And on the other end, um, you see that it's, oh no, it's terrible, it's awful, you know, you can't marry children off like that. And so both sides are in their own bubbles. And in comes a story, um, like the one we ran in New Narrative, that kind of says, no, it's not as simple as that, right? It's more than, okay, it's okay, it's religious. And then you get this uh, anti-child marriage guy just saying, oh, these people are pedophiles and mm-hmm. these are terrible people. And so in comes a story that says, hold on, right? There is more to this than just pedophilia versus progressive. You know, it's more than that. And so you break these bubbles in which we're in. And that can only make the world better because the problem with being in bubbles is that you just self-perpetuate your beliefs mm. and you don't broaden your horizons. And yeah. I think also, yeah, when we go back to this idea of topics, like you said, it's sort of this weird situation because we're kind of expected to write about makeup and maybe plus-size fashion mm. or fashion or, you know, tea parties. I don't know what we're supposed <laughs> to be writing about. But but those fluffy topics are difficult yeah. to place. But yeah. at the same time, one of the things that I write about most frequently and that I enjoy writing about the most is politics in Indonesia. Um, But 
while I can place those stories, I found that often they seem to, people seem to have a problem taking them as seriously as they would um, an, an, a less in-depth piece mm. that's written by a man. So shorter, less in-depth, perhaps not written from someone who's on the ground, you know, a desk piece will be widely shared on social media by, uh, you know, people in Indonesia, both Westerners and, and uh, locals. Whereas something, a very in-depth piece by a woman on politics isn't taken as seriously. But then, yeah. but then, but then if you want to go and write about fashion, you can't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of, you're not taken seriously either yeah, way. either way. So there was this one, like, trolley tr- thread that I find, and I always remember it because it was so, I felt it was just so representative of, the sort of abuse that women get so it was this political commentary that I made and somebody had shared it in this thread that's in in a forum that's really known for sexism and I kind of came across it and they shared the post and what was interesting was the first person who shared the post uh, didn't realize that I was a woman so it seen the name I think it misread the name and thought it was written by a man and so it was like oh you know this article is really good this writer has balls to say what <laughs> what what they've said, you know, it's, it's a brave commentary. And then, like, two comments down, someone is, like, someone reveals that it's actually written by a woman, and the entire thread warps to talk about how fat I am because someone's found a <laughs> photo. Oh, my goodness. And, and so it literally started with, like, people who are like, huh, this is an interesting commentary when they thought it was <laughs> written by a man, and the moment they found it was written by a woman, it was just like, well, does anyone have a photo? What does she look like? Oh, yeah. And, I've actually had yeah. people com- yeah, commenting uh, actually quite a few times on my pictures. And I once had one, an editor, actually sent me a, a comment that someone had sent to them that said, you need to change your photo because we can't see you clearly enough. Like, we can't see your body and your face <laughs> clearly enough. And we need, and clearly that's, you know, very important information they have to have before they can read anything <laughs> I've written. Yeah. God. So what would be something that you would want to tell or advise Uh, young women journalists starting out? For me, I mean, I'm going to approach this with my um, editor's hat on if people wanted to pitch to me. It's easy to say don't go for the the big stories that that you know will hit because we've all got to pay our bills. But if you're pitching to me or to us at New Narrative, that's really what what I'm looking for in particular. Smaller things that other people will have missed. And there will always be a place for that. Yeah, I would say... You know, even though you're pitching to an editor, particularly if you're pitching a new narrative, definitely, uh, to not doubt that you know what the story is. So if the editor says something and say, can you do it like this? Or could you bring in this angle? Or what about this? And you don't think it's actually relevant or that's not actually how it is, it's fine to push back. In fact, you know, for new narrative, I would really appreciate it if journalists did push back and say this is not actually what's happening. because. You know, I could be totally wrong. And if you don't tell me that I'm wrong, we would never know. And then it would go into the story. Yeah. And so I would much prefer it if, you know, and, and there have been circumstances where, you know, I added a comment in the Google Doc and then mm. the journalist came back and went, actually, that's not what it was. And it's always better to catch that before you've published it. It's easy to take a topic and kind of just build around it. But I don't want you to just like, oh, it's there, just take it, you know. I want you to reach up a little higher and pitch me something that even I have never heard of. Mm. Um, something that you think is interesting, um, but nobody really covers it. That's the kind of stories I want. I want something to do with people, with human beings, um, and the human condition, right? And I suppose, especially for female journalists, 
um, don't be afraid to pitch stories which are male stories mm -hmm. or even female stories like fashion. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By extension. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't be don't, afraid to yeah. pitch female stories. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And don't be feel like you have to be bound by what you're expected to do, or that or, you have to prove anything. Exactly. Or that you have to prove anything. If it's something you're passionate about and you think there's a story there that you can tell that would help to, I don't know, maybe just give someone more knowledge than they had the day before. That's the kind of story I want. I think it really shows as well, like, and this cuts across, you know, male or female writers. When we see pitches and when we see drafts, it really shows if this is a story that you pitch because you need it to pay your bill, <laughs> or if this is a story yeah. that you pitch because you really care about it yeah. and you really went on the ground and you spoke to people and you really care about these people yeah. and you feel like you have to portray these stories, that um, like you have a sense of responsibility. Yeah. And it really shows, like, what people, like, editors can tell and if editors can tell readers can tell as well and so i definitely think for new narrative we want more of that we want stories where people who read it can tell how much the writer cared about it yeah yeah and getting on the ground for me is a really important one mm. a strong narrative hook to mm. make a wider you know political point or social point or an economic point is really yeah. what i want to see but yeah you need to go and talk to people and really kind of get your hands dirty, as yeah. it were. Yeah. Uh, Desk-based journalism is really not what we're yeah. about at New Narrative. Yeah. Um, like you said, Pauline, it's about the heart of the story, which means, yeah, going out and talking to people. On that note, you know, if you do want to write for New Narrative, we do work with um, writers who've never written for other publications before, and we can take submissions in English, in Bahasa Indonesia, or Bahasa Malaysia. Uh, if you have an idea, we have a pitch form that's on the website or it's just pitches at newnarrative.com and that goes to all of us so we can look at a pitch and get back to you. And so on that note, I just want to thank our deputy editors for being thank with you. us. Thanks to Aisha and Pauline and thank you all for listening. And that was three of New Narrative's editors, Kirsten Han, Aisha Llewellyn and Pauline Wong. And that's it for this special episode. Be sure to tune in to New Narrative's Political Agenda next week, our fortnightly podcast on current affairs in Singapore. And check out our website at newnarrative.com for more stories from Southeast Asia. If you enjoy what we're doing, please do support our work by subscribing to New Narrative at newnarrative.com slash join. Subscriptions start at just $52 a year. That's just $1 a week. This is PJ Thumb wishing all our listeners a great week ahead. Sampai jumpa! Sampai jumpa!